You can follow along if you'd like. There's a listening guide in your, in your bulletin, and there's pens on your chairs. And um, What I'd like to talk about this morning is this idea of a sacred appointment, having a sacred appointment. What's an appointment that's just not worth breaking? Think about it. Take a moment to think about what is, what is an appointment in my life? What are some things in my life that is just not worth breaking? You know, those things that, that you write down in pen in your calendar, the things in bold. Maybe there's some things that are in pencil and you're willing to just, if, if you run out of time, you just erase them out of there. I know for me there's certain things that are negotiable. And then there's some things that are non-negotiable. They're more like in pen in my life. And I need those things to happen. Um, like medical appointments. You know, it's, why not just ignore medical appointments? You know, because we value life and living and health. And we want to we be in good shape and decent condition. Um, but, you know, for many people, that's one of those non-negotiables in life. Medical visits, medical appointments. Um, what about specific dates? You know, maybe you're dating, and uh, you're dating a boyfriend, and you have a go- girlfriend or a boyfriend, and you know, you've set something in stone. You've said, you know, Thursday night we're going to do this. If you break the date, you know, why not do that? Why not just break the date? Because it's important to us, right? Same thing, husband, you know, wife. If, if, you're, you know, if you're trying to still date each other and you, you set something, if you break those dates, what happens? Trust is, is broken, you know, things begin to stir up. And, but there's certain things that we would like to say, yeah, those things are kind of protected in my life. Why not ignore just dating, though? It, it, because it's important to us. Other things, maybe exercise, sports. Some of us like to have, you know, a, a, a very active lifestyle. Maybe you walk, maybe you jog. And every morning you have this carved out time where you just, or in the evening, you just do this. And it, it Nothing gets in the way. You make sure you protect your exercise regimen. Um, if I know I'm going to get to go to the beach and go surfing, I kind of protect that time. It's kind of a sacred thing. And you probably all have the same things, you know. Um, rock climbing. I know many of you like to rock climb. And if you set an appointment to rock climb with some friends, you know, and you, you're going to be there. Entertainment. Some of us, the sacred appointments are entertainment. Uh, we like certain television shows, maybe American Idol, maybe... So you think you can dance? Um, anybody like that show? Don't be shy. There's a few. I like that show. I don't get to watch it all that often, but I do enjoy watching it. It's kind of fun to just me and my wife will sit there and we'll just go. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of wild. All the kinds of different dancing there. But you know, we have these things that are really important to us. What about an appointment with God? Is God one of those? In time with Him, is it one of those things in your life to where it's it's sacred? You're not willing to go without it. Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning. How, how do we make and keep a regular appointment with God? What does that look like? Is there a plan that we can follow? I want to answer some of those questions. Over the past three weeks, we've been looking um, in the scriptures, and we've been looking at some history as well, just looking at how the Bible's laid out. We've been kind of trying to break down the Bible because it's laid out in a certain format. There's certain uh, literary styles, different kinds of books that you'll find in the Bible. It's a library of 66 books. And I, I've been talking about some of the reasons why we can trust it, why it's authoritative. Well, all that stuff is, is nice. And some, some of you might be really fascinated with all the details of the background, the history side of the Bible. And you, you, 
you really are fascinated with that stuff. Well, you can set all of that stuff aside if we fail to spend any time with God. If we, if we fail to, to really ever dig into what He has to say for us in the Bible, then it really doesn't matter all the reasons. It doesn't matter if, the, the, if those things really fascinate us, if they don't move us to do anything differently in life. God is trying to change our lives, and He's trying to use the Bible to refine us. He's trying to change us. And it's really a process. So I want to look at this idea, making and keeping a regular appointment with God. What does that look like? God wants to speak to us on a regular basis. He wants to communicate truth to us. He wants to shape our perspective. He wants to challenge us. Um, This is the main way that he speaks. It's through the scripture. The main thing he uses is the Bible. He communicates to us through these pages that he has inspired and that have been used for thousands of years by, by people who follow God. They, they have taken these truths, they've worked them into their lives, and God has done some good things. He has a track record of faithfulness. But more than anything in life, your time with God can change you. More than anything else in life, your time with God can change you. More than exercise, more than entertainment, more than fun. You know, this, this book has the power to change our lives. It has the power to keep us on track. It has the power to keep us from ruining our lives, from stepping into some potholes that will just destroy us, destroy our families, destroy our reputations. It, it also encourages us. The scriptures oftentimes will just really speak to us in a way that's like an encouragement to just keep going, to move forward and to keep pressing on in the things that are really important. Sometimes it just puts our life into perspective. You know, so we get going on in life, we get focused on certain tracks, and the scripture comes and it corrects us back to the truth. It corrects our thinking back to what's right. So no matter who you are, God wants to speak to you. On a regular basis, he wants to speak to you. I wanted to focus on this as the last message in this God's GPS, talking about how the Bible's like God's GPS, because this is the most important part, is learning how to get into the scriptures for yourself on a regular basis. Athletes and musicians, they, they understand this principle. Athletes, they, they get up. They're very regimented, in, professional athletes at least. You know, they have this regimented lifestyle. There's certain things that they do not go without. I pulled a quote from one of my favorite football players, Jerry Rice. He played for the 49ers, and I grew up in Northern California, so don't hold that against me if you hate the 49ers, you know. <clears throat> After I moved away, I kind of let them go. But... Jerry Rice, he said this. He's one of the football, you know, all-time greats. And he said this. He said, you know, I may be able to run and receive passes, but I also do a thousand sit-ups a day. You know, they, these athletes, they just know it takes commitment. It takes this regimented lifestyle if they're going to be able to perform out on the field. Same thing for musicians. Musicians know this. Professional mu- musicians, what do they do? Every day they have to practice scales, Right? I'm not a professional musician. I'm far from it. But, you know, if I was a musician, you know, there's certain scales that I could play and I would just practice them for hours a day. Professional musicians just practice scales a few hours a day. And some of them I've heard within their contracts, that's part of their contract. They say, you know, you're paying me a certain amount, but part of that's going to be spent just practicing scales. Because they understand that if they, if they miss their practice, everyone's going to notice. Because that's the the foundation. And the same goes for time with God. As we, as, as we treat it as something like 
in pencil and just cross it off of our schedule. And um, what happens is it, we begin to notice. We begin to notice. Not only us, but the more we neglect to... to um, you know, to ever get time with God, then other people notice. And as it goes on, the more and more we do that, a lot of people really notice that our lives begin to um, move in a direction that just uh, becomes um, less and less productive, less and less healthy. Um, because God's really trying to speak to us. He, these are timeless truths that apply to life right now. So here are just some thoughts. You're going to hear from a couple people in our church in just a little bit about some things that God specifically has shown them recently as they've spent time with God. But before we get there, um, here's some thoughts on how to keep <clears throat> a regular time appointment with God. First, kind of the most obvious one is choose a time and place. Choose a time and a place. This may seem obvious, and you've probably heard it before. If you fail to plan, then you, you plan to fail, right? And it's the same thing with making an appointment with God. If we'll choose a time and a place, and we decide, you know, that, that's like one of those rocks that I'm unwilling to bend on. Now, none of us are perfect. None of us are going to get this right 100%. But if we fail to choose a time and a place to spend with God, then it, I guarantee, you know, you've just dropped the chances of that happening very often because everything else is going to push it out of your schedule. Everything else is going to seem more important at the time. There's a verse I want to really focus in on. This is Mark one I'm going to read the verse and then I want to back up and tell you the story behind it. Uh, Mark one thirty-five. some of you know this verse. It says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So Jesus, God himself, God incarnate, God as a man, when he came to earth, this about 2,000 years ago, he had this practice of, of spending time with God. And in this verse, it says, you know, it's very early in the morning. I want to look at the context a little bit. Um, it's not going to be up on your screen, but Jesus had a very, very intense, busy lifestyle. Many of you have the same. Many of you, you have things going on from the moment you wake up till the time you hit the pillow at night. And you're, you just feel like your life is just crazy. You feel like everything and everyone is trying to own your life and you just have nothing left. Well, Jesus understands because he was the kind of person that constantly people were wanting his time. They were trying to own his time. Mark 1, uh, Mark, what you see in the book of Mark is just many, many miracles, many things that he did in ministry. And you can just track his ministry through this book. But just some things that happened. Uh, verse 28, I'm going to read this, <clears throat> says that news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So as he began to minister and do what he did, which was care for people, love people, he would speak and he'd draw crowds, but he'd also minister to individuals. Well, the news about him began to spread all over the area. And so what happened was, as the news, news spread, people began to want to find out who he was. They wanted to come up close and hear him. It goes on and it says, they, they went to a certain place and he heals a bunch of people. <clears throat> and that I... Ad, Excuse me. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and all those who were troubled with demons, with evil spirits. And the whole town, it says, gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons because he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So he would have these 
encounters both in the natural world and in the supernatural world. And Jesus was just constantly people pressing in on his life, wanting him to address their needs. They wanting him to focus on their problems and their issues. So that's verse 34. Jesus deals with some things. And then it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Then the next verse, it's interesting. It says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, and he says, we're going to have to go somewhere else because I need to minister there as well. So it's interesting. You know, Jesus, he would withdraw himself from the crowds to get time alone with God. And there'd be people pressing in on him just before, you know, up until the evening. He'd get some sleep and he'd, he'd rise up before it was still dark. He'd get some time alone with God. And not long, people would come looking for him. People were constantly trying to get at him. I just want to break this down a little bit further. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. um, This doesn't mean that those of you who are morning folks and you like to rise up very early in the morning. Some of you enjoy rising up. We have any morning folks here. You just like to get up very early in the morning while it was still dark. You know, look at 2%, 3%, you know. Not too many of you. One of the things I'm not saying is that the more spiritual you are, the earlier you'll rise, because that's just not the case. Does this mean that you can't have time with God in the daytime or the afternoon or the evening? Sure, you can do that. It has nothing to do with the timing, but I want to highlight why he did this. The obvious reason that Jesus woke up early before it was, you know, before the sun rose was because obvious. I mean, everybody was, what? Sleeping. Everyone was sleeping. So he knew this was a time that I could have uninterrupted, distraction-free time with, the heaven, with my Heavenly Father. He was, he was able to connect with God without anyone else bothering him because everybody was asleep. You know, and for some of us, that might mean we need to get up a little earlier because that might be the only time you can actually have a set time that, that you won't be interrupted. Um, some of you, you know, you're able to find a different time during the day that works better for your sleeping pattern, and that's truly okay. But Jesus, he knew this was a time that he wasn't going to be interrupted. So I think what we need to do is, is ask ourselves, when is that time each day that I could have some uninterrupted time? And I'd encourage you to write that down. Well, is there any time... Maybe it's 3 o'clock because you know these certain things happen at 3 o'clock and you've got a half an hour that you know that's uninterrupted. Or maybe it's just before you go to bed. The challenge there, though, is something that could, uninterrupt, or could interrupt you just before bed is if you decide to lay in your bed. And then your time with God would be interrupted with sleep. So anyway, Jesus, he does this. He gets up very early in the morning while it was still dark. And it says next, Jesus got up. This can be the hardest thing to do is to actually get up, is to, um, is to take, a, take yourself out of the situation you were in. For some of us, if you're trying to get up and spend time with God in the mornings, um, this could be the most difficult thing, is the getting up portion. Um, if any of you early risers have any thoughts on how to master the art of waking up, we're open to suggestions right now. Because it's not easy. Um, 
Maybe you put your alarm clock across the room where you have to get out of bed physically to go and shut the thing off. If you're like me, sometimes you just kind of make a decision and you're just like, ah, I'm going to crawl back into bed and hit snooze. And so it's a real challenge. But he withdrew himself from what he was doing, from sleep, and he got up. He went off, it says he left the house, went off to a solitary place. Okay, For many of us, we can't even imagine what that would look like. What's a solitary place? Our lifestyles, our, all of our gadgets, our phones and different things keep us from really being able to experience solitude, I think. We have so much on our plate, so many distractions, so many responsibilities. Some of you are single. And I, I was thinking about when I was single, there was a tremendous amount of freedom that I had in not being married and having children and not having responsibilities. There was a tremendous amount of, of freedom that I could exercise to, um, to really schedule some things in that, that I could really protect because there wasn't as much responsibility that I had to address. Um, so if you're in the stage of life and you're single right now, um, don't try to rush through that stage, especially if you've not begun to build a pattern in this area. Because one of, the, one of the scripture references that comes to my mind is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul. He was a single man, one of the key church leaders. And he says in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, I wish that some of you were like me. He's talking about the fact that he was single. The reason was because he, he, had, he was able to have this undivided attention towards the things that God had called him to do. He was able to really focus in on it. Now, he said because of struggles and, and issues and different things, he, he, he put a stamp on marriage. Marriage is a good thing. and God blesses marriage. But for those of you who are single, he was, he was saying, hey, there's a real opportunity here that you can use to do some things, both for the Lord and to just connect with the Lord because there's, you, have, you have some extra time that you wouldn't have. And so, but some of you, you, you are married. And maybe you're married right now with, without kids. And um, I remember that time. And I remember there was a point where both my wife and I were working and we called ourselves Dinks, double income, no kids. And it was, we had our friend of Dinks. We had a group of Dinks and we all had a bunch of freedom. We were just able to stay out late and do things early. We could just do, you know, there was a lot more freedom in those days. But you have that. You know, time, maybe you're married, you're not, you don't have any kids at this point. I encourage you, again, to try to build this pattern into your life before the children arrive. Because it will be, it will be more and more difficult once the ch- children arrive. Some of you are knee-deep in parenting right now. You're, you've got one kid or, or multiple kids. And you can't just leave the house and go off to a solitary place and pray. You can't just leave your kids there and well, I was just following Jesus' example. You know, tell that to the CPS worker as your kids are, you know. We, we can't just do that. But at the same time, I like to say, you can't afford not to do it. You can't afford not to withdraw. Because what will happen is you, your children will pay a price for that. For those of you with kids, your kids are depending on you connecting with God. They're depending on parents who are going to lead them Parent or parents who are going to lead them to follow God. And the example you set in this area, they'll learn that from you. They'll learn to have a desire to follow God. They'll, 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 they'll watch you in the way you do your life. 
and they'll, they'll follow the example you set. There's a verse here, Deuteronomy 5.29, that illustrates this principle. It says, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined, inclined to fear me and to keep all my commands always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. There's this generational blessing that goes through our lives if we'll take God seriously, if we'll fear Him, if we'll keep His commands and try to work those things into our life, if our, our children will be blessed through that. But it's a sacred appointment. We, we can't afford to miss this. Maybe you're, you're a guy who works very, very hard in business or in a trade. You're working in trade and you're just busy and you're exhausted. You come home from work and you, you just, you've got to leave before. I know some of you probably leave before the sun comes up. And then you get home and the sun's already down. And then you get home and you have children and, and, and you know, maybe a spouse and other responsibilities you've got to do. How, how do you make time for, for, for this? Well, first, you've got to just decide. I've got to choose I may have to choose to, to prioritize some, or, depri- or remove some things, but I've got to choose a time and a place. It starts there, choosing a time and a place. And Jesus understands this whole I'm too busy thing because if anybody was, he was constantly being pressured to do stuff for people. So choose a time and a place. This was his practice. Look at this, Luke twenty-two thirty-nine. It says, Jesus went out as usual. As usual, this was his practice, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. This was at the end of his ministry, the end of his life on earth. But this was a common practice. He went out to pray, to spend time with God. And it says that he withdrew a little further, about a stone's throw distance from his disciples, and he knelt down and prayed. He set a pattern for his followers. He set the pattern for us. But the issue is distraction. He went, carved out some time, but then he he withdrew a little bit further from his friends because he didn't want anything to be distracting him. And we've just got to figure out what does that look like for us. How, how can I do that? It has to do with choosing a time and a place, though. There's a place in your life that you can go that is distraction-free. Just some other things really quickly. When you're spending time with God, you want to clear up your relationship. You want to clear up your relationship. Psalm 66, 18, if I had cherished sin in my heart, then the Lord would not have listened. So unconfessed sin and patterns of struggles, they can be real, real barriers for us connecting with God. If there's some things in our life that we're just not willing to surrender, just some things that we've, we've let stack up in our life and we haven't said, you know, God, I've blown it and, and would you forgive me for that? If we don't deal with that stuff and we approach God in our, in our time with Him, we're going to have a really, really hard, list, hard time listening to Him. He, he's not going to be able to speak to us because we've got these things in our life that, that are like, serve as like a barrier. And I have them, and I know we all struggle with them. We just, there's things that we do wrong on a regular basis that we've got to get right with God. So we have to first clear it up, clear it up with Him. Secondly, and, and maybe... I'd ask yourself right now, is there anything that's keeping me back? Because you might be at a point where you're thinking, you know what, I don't even want to choose a time and a place because I'm just too buried in guilt right now. I've just got too much in my mind that I've done and things I've neglected that are important that I can't even, I can't even go to that point of choosing a time and a place because I, I just I feel horrible. And so what I would encourage you to do is figure out what is it holding me back. Write that down. And release that to God. Confess that to God. All, all you simply need to do is, is to say to God, God, I've blown it in this area. I know it's wrong. 
And I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you that you, you died for me. Your blood has covered that. Thank you that I don't have to own that guilt, that you release me from that. And as you approach him, now you're able to really have some freedom in your relationship to approach him. Another thing is ask God for insight. Ask him to help you understand what you're reading. Because sometimes we open the Bible, and we looked at two weeks ago, there's a bunch of different things in here that can be difficult to understand. So we need to ask God, would you help me understand this? Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. This is a prayer. One of the kings of, of Israel, David, he prayed this prayer to God. Open my eyes. Because sometimes we're just, we, we function as if our eyes are closed. We can be reading the Scriptures. We can spend time with God. But it's as if our eyes are really closed. It's as if we can't even understand or hear what He's trying to say to us. So ask Him to give you insight. Another thing is set your heart to obey Him. This is what Jesus says in John chapter seven seventeen. He says, If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from me or from God or whether I speak on my own. So as you approach God and as you approach His Word, um, He's not going to speak to us if we're not prepared to obey what He says to us. So that's the key is, is having a, a predisposition to obey Him. To go to him and say, God, whatever you say to me this morning, whatever you say to me this evening, I'm going to do something with it. I'm not, I don't want to just get this insight and tuck it away in my mind so that I can, I can know more about you. But God, would you help me to get insight to work that into my life so I can apply that. So set your heart to obey. And this is where I'd like you to hear from two people. This is um, Aaron Wood and Taylor Neese. And they're going to need a microphone if we have it. Come on up here. This is Aaron Wood. And uh, let's make sure it's good to go for you. There you go. Um, this is Aaron, and I've asked her and Taylor to, to share about this appointment with God, having a regular time with God. Now, Aaron's not, uh, none of us are the perfect standard in this area. Um, but there's some things that, that um, God has shown her recently that I'd like her to share with you. Um, kind of like you to share where in the scripture you've been spending time with God, you know, maybe the verse that God has spoken to you, what He has said to you, and then how you're trying to apply that to your life. All right, this is um, something that I'm consistently struggling towards um, establishing in my life. It's definitely something that I still fail in a lot, and um, over the last week or so, I'd really have been having a hard time getting into the Word, and um, I was actually talking to a friend of mine um, who shared something that she was reading in her quiet time, which is how I really started getting back into the Word. And this was from um, Ecclesiastes 7.14 was the verse that she shared. And um, it says, When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. And this really um, spoke to me as well. I'm just being newly married, being early in my 20s, um, I'm in what seems like a never-ending season of transition and change, and just when I think I'm in a rhythm, I get out of the rhythm, and just when I think I've got everything balanced, um, God adds more to my life, and more things come into our lives, and it's just something that's um, constantly a struggle to balance. And um, this verse was a reminder that God is with me in all seasons, um, that only He knows the future. So 
when I'm running around worrying about decisions that we're making or um, what we should do next, it's really a reminder that um, only God can know what, what we need to do, what I need to be doing. And so um, just to trust him and to pray when I'm anxious or worried that he would um, just continue to guide me. And so that was how I landed in, in Ecclesiastes. And I continued to read there. And um, another verse that I read the other day was... Um, Ecclesiastes 7.18. It's actually in the same um, chapter. And I was wrestling with extremes. And this is something that um, Bruce could attest to is a struggle for me all the time. I'm one of those people that would be a much happier person if the world was black and white. If everything was just this or this. And I could just, you know, know what's right. And I often struggle with gray and knowing how to navigate those things. And, um, I just am struggling with that. And so God showed me this other verse in Ecclesiastes 7.18. It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. And that was just really encouraging to me that um, I could really just work on walking in obedience and fearing God and that he would work out all those extremes. And specific examples are um, just trying to figure out as an individual where I fit into being a couple and when am I an individual and when am I part of a couple and how do I function in that. Um, another one was productivity. I like to get things done, but I also have a hard time relaxing and so how to find time for rest in the midst of a busy, of, of a busy schedule. And um, the last one that God's really been challenging me with is um, really just wanting to be fit and to be exercising and to be eating right, but not letting that control my life and not become consuming. So. This has been something that God has really been challenging me in. Um, and so really what I've taken from that is that um, I don't have to be anxious about the future because God is in control. And when I do get worried or anxious, I'm really trying to just spend time to pray and really just give that back over to God. And that really reminds me that I don't have to worry about making those decisions. And also um, when I get caught between extremes, that I just really seek to ask God what he would want me to be doing today and really just try to work on being faithful to spend time with him and do the things that I know he's asked me to do. And that really does help me find middle ground and avoid getting caught up in that black and white battle. So, Thanks, Amy. <coughs> you see, part of this is just, um, as you're reading the scripture, you're laying it alongside your life. You... you, you you examine your life through it. You let it be a mirror to you. The scripture is called a mirror because it's an evaluative tool for us. And so that's kind of what you saw in Erin Shearing. She was evaluating thoughts, things that come to her mind, things that she's mulling on and working through, and she let it speak to those areas. So, Taylor, same kind of question for you. All right. Well, um, for about the last two months, I was actually going through Psalm, and um, I tend to be a big box checker, and I had said, it, I've never gone through Psalm, start to finish, that's what I'm going to do, so I can say I've done it. Um, about chapter 50, I just really realized that I, that's what I was doing, was checking boxes, and I kind of sensed that my, I'm a chip of Christ, and I just felt kind of dry spiritually, and someone in my discipleship group challenged me, go back to something that you know is refreshing, go to your favorite book. It's okay to, um, to not read all the way through a book if, if you're feeling dry, so... I went back also to Ecclesiastes, which is my favorite book. I think this is about my fifth time reading through it. Um, and I just came to the book and I said, God, I don't know what you want to teach me here, but just refresh me. I really need to be refreshed. Um, and I'd like to share with you guys Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Um, and this is from Solomon. 
chapter or verse 4 through 11, it says, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I brought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and harem as well. The delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I, de- I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, adjacent after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. And I, I definitely identified, um, basically what Solomon's saying is this, is in this verse is, I've done all this. Um, look at all my achievements, all my riches, all my wisdom. Once he stepped back and looked at what, what his life was about, he realized this is meaningless. And as I'm reading through the first few verses, as he's listing all these accomplishments, I'm like, man, yeah, yeah, this guy's amazing. And then those last few verses say, but it's all for nothing. And I um, identify with Solomon kind of in this stage of my life, and I realized that I had have been have been investing a lot of my time in um, in areas that you know maybe shouldn't be such a big priority. One big thing is I'm in a master's program for my MBA right now, and I realized that. Um, I had put such a big priority on my MBA because I wanted to get a good job. I don't want to climb, climb the ladder at the place, um, at, at the institution I'm working for, and make a lot of money, get the house, the white picket fence. And I realized that a lot of things were suffering because of that. I had spent, um, was investing so much time um, in, in that area, in my job, in my education, in, in wealth. And um, I think God really just convicted me in that area of, hey, these things, if they're independent for me, if, if I'm not in them with you, um, if you're not spending time with me, if you're not um, investing in kingdom things, they really are meaningless. You could graduate with an MBA and, you know, be the CEO of Coca-Cola, but um, in the end, that, that's not what matters. That's not, that's not what I'm after. And so um, some practical things that um, I've tried to implement is not making homework an excuse anymore. Hey, we have a big event or, um, you know, my quiet time, I, I don't qu- do quiet time because I've been doing homework from 10 o'clock to 1 a.m. or something. It's, it's just not an excuse. Um, it's an important thing. They're all good things, but they really shouldn't be a priority, and that's really what I've learned. And um, It's been a struggle to implement, but I've just tried to keep myself reminding me of Solomon, and I don't want to, at the end of my life, build, build, all, build all this great, wonderful life and then realize that it was a, you know, prioritized and built around the wrong things. So. Thanks, Jim. So again, just real practical. He saw himself in the scripture. He saw how to apply it. And he's begun to reorient his perspective. Um, what I've given you on the back side is if you see these on the front side, you see pray, read, apply, and yield. On the back side, I gave you a sample quiet time plan to just help you to get started um, if you'd like to, to do that. <clears throat> Because the most, you know, most of us need a plan. Most of us need something to to follow. So that's like kind of the last step is just follow a plan. Um, first off, pray. Pray. There's a verse there in Psalm 62:8 talks about pouring out your heart to God. Because He's our refuge. He's the one that we can go to and cry out to and say, God, I'm I'm needing, I I am, 
I need to get some things settled down in my life. I need to clear some things up. I've got a lot of things going on. I need to settle down. So God, would you settle me down? It's to spend time with God. It's really important to pray first because you need to settle down. Now, I need to settle down. So this is the starting point. Then read. Begin to read. This verse here talks about taking things to heart. Hearing and taking. The man, there's a blessing for the man who, who not just reads, but takes it to heart and begins to do something with it. You begin to examine your life with it. Um, you might not be sure where to start reading. Um, I'd encourage you, if, you, if, if you, you know, you're new to, to walking with God or you're, you're still not even sure if you're ready to commit your life to Christ, then um, I'd encourage you to still begin to let, get into the Scripture and see if God will speak to you through it. A good book would be James. James is a great starting point for, for learning about the practical things of our faith. Uh, another good book, Proverbs. Proverbs has 31 chapters. There's 31 days in the month, so you can always just think, oh, um, what's today? You know, it's the 28th, so I'm going to read Proverbs 28. And real practical sayings and just wisdom from the Lord. Um, John, Acts, Romans. I always tell people, jar, J-A-R, John, Acts, Romans. Good starting point. <clears throat> Philippians, another really good letter. Um, some of the letters in the New Testament, they start with teaching. They start with some theology and some teaching about God. And then the next part is application. So when you're reading the letters... The first part is, is kind of deeper things and then application, the second part of the letter. Um, there's a website you can check out. It's called BibleGateway.com. If you're just wondering, you know, I'd, I'd like to figure out a reading plan, you can go there, BibleGateway.com, and they can suggest all sorts of Bible reading plans. If you'd like to read through the Bible in a year or a couple of years, you can, you can learn about that in there. Um, but apply. Apply. Like I said, the Scripture is intended to be like a mirror to us. And that's what this verse in James says, is don't just listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. But anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law which gives freedom and continues to do this, it's a pattern, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. The phrase that you see in that is do. Do does doing. Over and over you see this action. There's this application in this. So the blessing, the real blessing is in what you do, not just in what you read. It's not in just learning more, but it's in learning to apply to your life. What good is a mirror if you don't change what's wrong? You walk up to a mirror in the morning, you realize you're all this oriented and you're just like huh. and you walk away and you do nothing about it some of you might think that's you know that's what i do you know me that's what i do never mind but we 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 really the mirror the scriptures is really it's to look into it and to let it speak to us let it change us some practical questions on the back side you see in the apply section if you're reading a chapter or a couple verses out of the bible and you're not sure how to apply then run it through these questions through these verses, has it brought up a sin to confess? This is on the back side, under apply it. Acronym is space. Is there a sin to confess? Is there an attitude that I just need to change? Is there a promise that I need to claim here? Is there a command that I should obey through this? Or is there an example to follow? It just Those are some tools, some questions to, to figure out how to apply the Scripture. And then probably the most important thing is to yield on a daily basis. Romans 12.1 I appeal to you, therefore... 
by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Just to present ourselves to God and say, God, I ran yesterday as the boss of my life, and I want to just yield control to you today. And then you get to tomorrow and you do it again. You just yield yourself to God and His ways and His purposes. Um, So I'd like to challenge you um, to give this a shot. Start where you're at. If you've decided you wanted to walk, you know, you've begun a relationship with Christ, start wherever you're at. If, if you're not spending any time with God, then I'd encourage you to spend one to two days this upcoming week in the Scripture. Just one to two days. And if, you, if you're already doing that, maybe add another day. Add another two days. But just start where you're at and ask God to grow you in this area of getting time with Him. And <clears throat> you can use this quiet time plan. You can copy this in your journal or something like that. I... I write my thoughts down, I write prayer down, I write application down. Um, But just some next steps. On this welcome card, you see it says, I'm interested in taking the next step. It's kind of near the bottom right. And we have A, B, and C. Um, You know, if you feel like God has spoken to you about this area and you'd like to commit to Him, that, that you'd like to take a step towards spending some time with Him, one or two days this next week, I'd encourage you to circle that. It's not so that anybody here is going to be like, hey, did you do it? Nobody's going to, but we'll pray, we'll pray with you for that. We'll pray that you could, that you'd, you know, choose that time and then, and that you'd make that a sacred time of God. There's also some resources. There's a resource table on the back, and I've got about 25 of these. This just says seven minutes with God, how to plan a daily quiet time. So if this doesn't work for you and you just don't like the way this is laid out, you can go grab one of these for free. They're on the back table. It's a real short read. Seven minutes with God. <clears throat> There's 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day. That equals 1,440 minutes. So seven minutes out of 1,440 is one half of 1% of your day. And um, so it's a good starting point. And um, so I'd encourage you to maybe circle next step A if you if you'd like to get started in that. Um, next step B would be to memorize a verse. Mark 135 is a good verse in this area of quiet time. Mark 135. You can look it up in your Bible and... I'd encourage you to do that. <laughs> the other thing is, um, this next message series that we'll be starting next week on prayer, really would encourage you to bring someone with you. If there's a friend or a family, a group, you know, family friends that you'd like to bring with you that you think would benefit from from hearing messages and getting to know um, us here, then we would just love it if you do that. And so I'd encourage you to do that. And if you'd like to, you can circle C and you can write the name of the family or the name of the person. We'll pray with you for them as you're building up to asking them. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as the band comes up. Father, thank you for thank you for your word again. God, thank you so much for the pattern that you have um, laid out and that was modeled by Jesus, that he pulled back from the busyness of his day to, to spend time with you. And God, I confess just the struggle here, personally just being guilty of missing days and, and even, you know, at times realizing, wow, it's been a week since I've really connected, or longer, God. So, God, would you help us, Lord, to reduce that, to really work in and keeping this regular point with you. God, I pray that you'd move us to apply this message to our lives today. God, help us to take some steps forward. In Jesus' name, amen.